Good evening and or morning, everyone. This is Greg Garagues. And this is Michael. And we are here bringing you another episode of Thought Siri. Fresh Thought Thoughts. Thought Suey, not Siri. Man, you're out of practice. Boy, I am out of practice. Well, I've been talking to Siri a lot more than I've been talking to you. Oh, that was sad. Yeah. It's not that I want to. to, That went to a dark place right off the bat. Boy, it did. Well, we're starting the new year off right. Hey, we're here to uh, recap a little bit about uh, 2017. And um, we're here on this episode. We're going to be talking about what we learned in 2017. Um, I'm pretty excited to do this. How are you feeling, man? I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you you uh, threw the idea out, and I thought it was interesting, and it, it was kind of an, uh, an interesting exercise and reflection to kind of think of what my answer would be. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah glad to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 2017, uh, everybody is pretty much in agreement on If there's anything that we're all in agreement on, uh, it's been a year. It's been a uh, was, kind of a turbulent. It was wild. Year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as you mentioned before, uh, before we started recording this, pretty sure we said the same thing about 2016. We did. So is this going to be like a recurring motif throughout the coming uh, 20 whatevers? I mean, it, it could be a pattern. I I mean, how sustainable that pattern would be before everything just literally falls apart, I don't know. But I, I wonder for 2017 how much of it was people seeing what they expected out of 2017. Uh, just because 2016 culminated with the election of Donald Trump and the you know a whole host of expectations that came with that. And this, I, I mean, this kind of gets into the... I guess what I learned uh, this year um, was like the the expectations people have and what people forecast and why they forecast what they do um, is really interesting. Um, and, and it makes me wonder if uh, not not that this wasn't a turbulent year, but that it, it makes you wonder if the turbulence was uh, blown up a little bit. Sure. Blown up a little bit by what we expected to come out of the year, or yeah, we're uh, expecting it to be turbulent. So you know, the the minute you see a little bit of information that reinforces the turbulence you expected, you're immediately yes. going right to oh man, there it is. You know, back to what we discussed about like echo chambers and uh, the reinforcement of the ideas that we already hold dear and what we expect yeah, the world exactly. to look like and everything. Yeah, I, I agree. Exactly. I agree. Um, if anything, actually. Uh, this is going to start getting into the episode, but one thing I learned in 2017 was not to brag, but we were kind of on point uh, when we did those uh, tribalism episodes and everything. So, you know, so what we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be changing the format up a little bit here at Thought Suey, not Thought Yeah, be, be, because something else we learned is that we are getting increasingly busy. Yeah. As Which the, is a good thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It's well, a good thing. Increasingly, I, I like to you know I like to reinforce with more positive words. I like to say we're getting increasingly productive. Um, I've, we are I've, increasingly in demand. How about that? Ooh, ooh! You're appealing to the economic, uh, the economist inside of me. I um, I appreciate that. Yeah, we are. In there demand. you go. So that's right. No, so as um, as we went through 2017, it became harder and harder for us to record these episodes, and we do. 
really want to record this stuff because, um, you know, this, this podcast is, again, speaking of things that are near and dear to our heart, um, we don't get to do this that often, but we really want to do it. Uh, so we're going to be sort of changing things up a little bit in 2018, uh, recording a little bit on our own, uh, because again, mm-hmm. we're two friends, two continents, one conversation, but it can be a little difficult to maintain that with conflicting schedules, the 13, 12 to 13 hour time difference, all sorts of things. And also yeah. what we do is in our personal lives is very, very demanding, which can be difficult. And, and becoming increasingly so, yeah. As I start to take on more duties at my job, uh, and Mike begins, you're, you're heading into your graduation year. Yeah. Part of the issue is it's not, it's not difficult for either of us to find a little slot of time where we can record. It's difficult for us both to find the same slot of time where we can record. Exactly. So we're going to be doing a, a series of short-form podcasts that we record separately, independently. But they'll be in conversation with each other, right? Right. So sort we're going to each kind of put together, you know, five to ten minutes of content, uh, building off what the last person did or, or the last episode. And then every once in a while when, you know, the timelines line up, we're going to get together and do an episode, you know, a longer form episode together. Um, hopefully this will kind of keep uh, more regular content up. It'll allow us to respond a little more quickly or react a little more quickly to events or things that we encounter, or things that we're thinking about instead sure. of, you know, taking a note and then a month and a half later getting down to actually being able to record something about it. So hopefully we'll be able to keep it a little more fresh that way. Exactly. And it'll give us a chance to really talk about, uh, you kind of hinted at it, as um, talk about those topics that we really want to have a conversation about because it'll come up and then we're like, oh my God, we should really discuss this. And then the time slips by and then we don't have the time to have that conversation. And, you know, it it would be great to actually be able to do that. So we're going to uh, begin uh, sort of this format with this 2017 recap episode or, if you will, a recap episode. And sort of, I've been really wanting to use that word. I apologize. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, we're, we're going to be separating this one into this first episode, which will be a quick conversation between Michael and I about what we learned in 2017, followed by a couple of episodes that we will both do independently, but with the same theme. Uh, we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of 2017. My challenge, actually, I don't know if you uh, remember me bringing this up before, but my challenge to the two of us when we record these episodes is to not talk about the incessant drama in the uh, in in the White House, uh, mostly coming. Man, from. that is really hard to do the last couple of days, too. Yeah, I know. Oh it is man, very difficult. That's... Well, if, if there's one thing that comes to mind when I think about 2017, it's just the amount of time, the amount of conversation spent discussing affairs surrounding the president of the United States. So I, I, I describe it or I, I think of it as the amount of free space he's rented out in my brain. Yeah. And it's too much. It's yeah. I, I, I resent it. Yeah, it's too much. Which I guess would be of no surprise to anyone. But so, so in a in an effort to 
make it an interesting and uh, perhaps a more beneficial listen for our listeners, uh, we're going to try and avoid discussing that. Uh, in fact, in this episode, I'm going to try and refrain from men- mentioning the name uh, Donald J. Trump for the majority of the episode. He who cannot be named. I, I do think it's hard to not touch on something that's tangentially related to it. It's just t- 20, 2017 was the year where, at least for Americans, everything somehow went through Donald Trump. It did. It did. And to, and to me, and the reason why I wanted to steer clear of that is because it almost inevitably leads to poisonous discourse. And, and I hate to use the word poisonous, but it's like um, – you know, well, you, well, we're getting into – I don't want to get into this because this is a deeper topic that we're going to get into a little bit in our 2017 uh, Good, Bad, and Ugly. I know yeah, at least so the, I the, will be. The Good, so Bad, and say. Ugly we're recording independently. Today we want to talk about lessons well, we, learned. we learned in 2017. Yes. Yeah, Lessons we learned. So let's just uh, – let's cut the crap. Let's get right to it. Michael. Yeah. What did you learn in 2017, my friend? I touched on a little bit earlier. Um but I learned how much people's expectations of an event influence how they perceive the event in real time. Um, and kind of the, un, not the other hand, but closely connected to it, um, especially in the media. And I, I don't mean mainstream media. I mean more of, um, you, know, you see like think pieces online and analysis pieces. Um, how incentivized people are to make a sensationalist prediction, which then drives the norm of expectations towards the sensationalist. Um, and there were, you know, several instances of this happening. Um, and this isn't, I'm not in any way saying that this wasn't a year full of sensationalist events, like truly sensationalist events. But there were some events that um, definitely got kind of blown out of proportion. The, the Actually, the one that just jumped in my mind, I'm immediately going to break your rule, was there was a story about how like a, a hundreds of years old tree was, was cut down from the White House grounds uh, on the orders of Melania Trump. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, and it, and it was kind of immediately taken as like, uh, oh, you know, they – the, they these rich people don't have a sense of the tradition of the grounds and they just didn't like the view with it and they wanted to cut it down or whatever. It turned out the tree was sick and the National Arbor Society, who runs the grounds, made the recommendation that this thing needs to come down or else it's going to literally collapse and possibly hit someone or something. And they were doing it on the recommendation of the government experts and it was absolutely the right thing to do. You know, um, this is so funny that you're talking about this because okay, so not to not to cut you off, but this yeah, a very similar story happened in Florida, and I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it may have been early 2017 that this happened, but I believe it was in Florida uh, near uh, Fort DeSoto. Fort DeSoto, for those of you who don't know in Florida, it's a popular beach-going uh, area, you know, sort of, you know, old forts you can go see, nice place to go and have a picnic and just hang out on the beach. It's a nice little area. Well, the state government or the local uh, government decided to remove that these trees that were lining the beach. 
and these trees have been there forever. They they you know provide shade, and they're old older trees. You know they're they're just nice to look at, and they made the decision to you know uproot them and get them off the beach and everything. And people were furious. You know this is these trees have been there forever. Um, you know, it's, it would turn into a thing of like, you're ruining so many people's childhood memories of sitting out uh, under these trees and having these picnics and blah, 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 because it did, in all honesty, it did change how the shoreline looked. But, and, and, and when I had heard about this in conversation in Florida, this immediately people, their emotions cranked up to level 10, you know, they're like, this is yeah. unbelievable. They're not doing it for any reason. It's just more government, blah, blah, blah. I- I, I do like how people immediately jump to they're not doing it for any reason with a very small amount of information on the situation. Exactly. You Well, you see how little I'm able to talk about it. Like I'm talking about yeah. how important these trees were to people's childhood memories. But then – so I looked into it and I'm like, you know, boy, people are really upset about this. I wonder why this has actually happened. A quick Google search yielded the results that – Actually, these trees had dug their roots so deep into the shoreline that they were starting to erode the shoreline. And not only that, but sea turtles come on, come in there to lay eggs, and the sea turtles were unable to find their way up the shoreline due to these roots. So it was interrupting sea turtle yeah. mating patterns, and they weren't able and to it, lay eggs. And, and were these non-native trees, do you know? Uh, that is a good question. If I remember correctly, they are non-native trees um, from uh, Spain, if I remember correctly. But yeah, again, so I that, don't... that brings a whole other realm of I, – I, I sort of assumed because it seems like freaking everything that grows or lives in Florida is a non-native something or other. Oh, yeah. God, uh, when I had to introduce uh, Spanish moss to someone who had never seen it before, you know, like and explain that – well, Spanish moss is a whole other thing in general. But you're right. Yeah. It's just invasive species uh, sort of run rampant in Florida. But this is one – It's, like, it's where, like Jurassic Park over there, yeah. Yeah, it, well, it is with uh, – <laughs> Just introduce species and yeah. – Oh, boy, Florida's fun. So anyways, it, my point is is that – there's usually a rhyme or reason as to why something happens. And it, 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 especially if the thing that happens costs money and somebody committed resources to doing a thing, there's probably a reason. Exactly. You might not like the reason, but to say, oh, they're doing it for no reason, just on a whim, is rarely the, the cause for that. Yes. So when you bring up this about um, the White House and uh, Melania Trump uh, issuing an order to cut down this old tree, which I vaguely remember that, but I remember also consciously telling myself I don't need to know what this is about because it's not important. Yeah. But and, and, and both of these stories are, are kind of, um, I guess, non-impactful in terms of how people uh, interpreted it. The most damaging one, though, was uh, in the Korean Peninsula, and was well, this was happening repeatedly, where they were doing you know bombing runs or you know a training exercise or a flyover of this, that, or the other thing, and the U.S. flew B-1B bombers over South Korea, and a defense news website referred to them as nuclear capable bombers. So, so. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, nuclear, you know, the, in the midst of all these, you know, nuclear, Talks, nuclear, everything and, like in the past, yeah, nuclear, months, everything, the word, the word nuke and nuclear have been used a million times. And now the exactly. thing is big red button. Yeah, exactly. So then this, this was months ago, or right? Maybe, you know, probably half a year ago. 
so it's a fairly sensate, not sensationalist headline, but it's, you know, oh my God, like we're, we're getting closer to the line. It's feeding into a sensationalist narrative. Yeah. A dangerous sensation. Because the problem is the B-1B bomber hasn't been nuclear capable since the mid-90s. They retrofitted it and, and, and actually physically made changes to the bomb base so it can't hold nuclear weapons. In a deal with the Russians, a disarmament deal with the Russians, where the Russians themselves inspected the changes and said, yes, this is indeed no longer nuclear capable. Right? So the bomber is not nuclear capable. It cannot carry a nuclear weapon. So how did this wind up in a headline? How did this wind up being the U.S. is sending nuclear-capable bombers to fly close to the DMZ? And this was uh, this headline was in a newspaper, right? Or it was a, a defense news website. Yeah, defense I forget which website. specific one. Which is unfortunate because you would expect maybe, I mean, some level of of uh, you would absolutely expect integrity. them to know that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of where this, I guess, sort of expected fatalism that I, I think kind of defined people's perception of events in 2017 can get actually potentially very dangerous. I remember, you, I remember you bringing that up before, but what does that mean, yeah. accepted fatalism? People's outlook being so fatalistic makes them interpret incomplete information because all as we've talked about before all information is incomplete and there are multiple possibilities to be drawn from any bit of information that's given to you i feel and maybe this is just my perception but i feel like more than usual more than average right in a more than random way people gravitated to fatalist interpretations of what was going on right um, and, and in some cases, it was just, you know, who actually cares who ordered the tree cut down? The correct tree was cut down for the correct reason. And at the end of the day, we're good. But in the case of, you know, nuclear capable bombers over the Korean Peninsula, I could see a hand, and this is me being fatalist, I could see a handful of situations where the perception of that being a nuclear capable bomber could have led to somewhere very bad, very scary. Of course it could have. I do think that fatalism influenced how people perceived the year and had the the potential to impact events themselves. Um, and that that's that's something that I'm going to be thinking about a lot during 2018 is sort of where that sort of fatalism comes from. Um, how much of that is driven by just an emotional state? How much of that is driven by people putting out forecasts and predictions that are fatalist? Um, and if that kind of waters down um, actual solid analysis of things that aren't so great, right? If It's one of those things where if everything's the end of the world, then nothing's the end of the world, right? Pretty much. And so, yeah. if, and, and, and so then, you know, what, what, you know, actual serious concerns, of which there are many right now, just kind of get lost in the noise. Yeah. yeah and and I, I realize I'm putting forward a question more than – more than stating a, a lesson I drew from the year. Um, but I, I guess it sort of, it, it brought up something I want to watch more closely in 2018. Well, actually, now that, now that you mention it, I'm not, not sure what the lesson is here. So if we could infer a lesson from this newfound knowledge, like I think this is something we all kind of know, or at least we're, we're slightly cognizant of, but the problem is we get swept up in it before we can have time to uh, critically analyze 
the these sort of like sensationalist topics and everything. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. So, so what is if there is a lesson to be inferred from this besides we should be more aware of it? Is there anything? Is there any skill that maybe you got out of it, or, um, or another lesson that you need to derive from I, it? I don't know about a skill, but it just kind of added um, another question to ask myself as I'm interpreting events. Which is, you know, what what were my expectations of this sector or field, or if an event was expected to happen? What were my expectations going into learning about it, and is that affecting how I? interpret it or is that affecting the person who's reporting information back to me right right if 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 i'm reading analysis i need to start you know kind of having in mind what was their expectation of the event um and is this is their account reinforcing that expectation or is it challenging the expectation sure I, i i like that um just to kind of go off of what you're talking about a little bit, you know, um, the, the, the whole, the whole taking in information that feeds into what we expect, uh, from certain people or certain events, uh, that are yeah. happening in the world. Um, I, I would say the lesson that I learned from that, and I think I learned it this year is that, you know, I spent a lot of time at the start of the year thinking, my goodness, like, again, I don't want to bring up, the president, but a lot of what happened is exactly what everyone expected. You know, okay, there's going to be inflammatory tweets. There's going to be right. contradictions. There's going to be this and that. Well, and and, and, that. And, and, and and something I would say is just because the story that comes out is what's expected doesn't mean that the story is only there because it's reinforcing. Well, in no, a lot certainly of, not. In a lot of cases, people expected what actually happened, right? Exactly. But I guess what what I'm saying is that. When I went back to the USA in December, I, I think I've developed this um, – if, if there's anything that I've learned, it's that I need to carefully filter what I would deem to be news uh, because I yeah. feel like quite a bit of the news that I've been reading about is tweet-related. And yeah. I no longer care what tweets say. I don't – this is not – and which is not necessarily a good thing because they do affect the national discourse. So it, you do need to be aware to some extent of what is being tweeted as weird yes. as it is to and, say and, that sentence. And, and I would also point out that Twitter doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's actually a window into a real person in a real place at a real time. So there's a lot of use and significance from that. It, you're right, but I also think that they're used to manipulate discourse. I don't think that they're necessarily always a window into a person. They're a window into a person's strategy, perhaps. Uh, yeah, but then strategy. we get into the, the three-dimensional chess theory, which I throw right out the window on fire if I can. All right, well then, let's not do that. My point <laughs> is, is that – the point is – my lesson is from, from what you're discussing, the lesson that I kind of learned from all that is that um, just be more careful – about what yeah. you get angry about. Yeah. And, and I, I would... Or get overly I would take, concerned about. I would take that and expand it to something I've been starting to do more often and being more diligent about is you should absolutely, you know, kind of question, is this actually news? Um, but related to that, I think question, is this actually a crisis? Right. Because there is so much right now 
using the, the trappings of a crisis to get you to tune in, to get you to consume, to get you to pay attention and watch the advertisements in between the exactly. you know, crisis information they're teasing out. And I and this this is something that, you know, news does, or 24-hour cable news specifically does. Um, people who are, you know, competing with clicks, we've talked about kind of the different media models and how that influences uh, TV, uh, TV content versus print content versus internet content. Yep. Uh, but even just, you know, people competing for time in your life, right? If, if your time is limited and the boss would like more of it, all of a sudden, weirdly, there are more work crises. Isn't that strange? Yes. Right? And so it, it, there's an exercise I think people should go through, which is, you know, is, is this a crisis? Right. Or is this or is this being dressed up as a crisis to get my time and attention? Exactly. Um, something that I've been – something that you're, – you're absolutely right. And, I, and I've been thinking of it over and over again, which is like how can you fight a battle if the battle is everywhere? Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's something I think that has really dire implications. And here I go into it's a crisis and being kind of fatalist. But there are real battles to be fought, clearly. Right. I'm not denying that at all. Um, and, and in fact, I think this trend of everything being a crisis spreads effort out, spreads mass out, spreads passion out to a point that dilutes the fight where it matters. Right. Exactly. My, my point. Thank you. And, and <laughs> it's I'm, I'm trying not to draw it to like basics of strategy, but I'm, I'm going to have to. And I I'm going to try to land the plane back in, you know real relatable world, but there's a concept in military strategy, which is concentration of mass at a decisive point, mm-hmm. right? It, it, a decisive point in decisive time, meaning at the battle, it's going to decide the war. You want everything there at that time. And if your troops and your forces and your tanks and your airplanes are spread all over the world, it's very, very difficult to get them to that decisive point at that decisive time, Right. You can't be spread too thin because then you can't win when it counts. Bringing it back to political and ideological battles now, if people get so exhausted on these false crises, on uh, you know false – not false news stories. I hate using false and news together. But, but news stories that aren't at the level uh, that people are interpreting them at. When it comes down to fights like what just happened on net neutrality and, and the response – and the resistance to something like that is maybe a little less than we might think it deserves. Sure. I, I really think those two are, are interrelated. That being said, something else I learned this year was people have a much higher capacity and a much higher patience for stuff like this than I thought. Well, that's an interesting observation. We, we talked about this after the Women's March um, where it was, you know, the, this was a great moment, but where does it go? Do people still – participate are people still engaged in a year and i found or i've i've seen that people seem to be more engaged and engaged in more meaningful ways um if if the the virginia we are now virginia residents the uh, virginia state legislative elections were a a prime example of that Mm -hmm. um 
unprecedented amount of first-time candidates, unprecedented amount of minority candidates, unprecedented amount of female candidates, and unprecedented victory among those candidates. And it's, it's heartening to see that people aren't tiring of 2016, 2017, 2018-ness as much as I honestly expected. No, if anything, I would I would argue that a lot of people have been invigorated by it, uh, especially they, you know, especially yeah. especially women. I, and I don't want to spoil uh, what I'm going to be getting into in the next episode uh, when I talk about my 2017 good, bad, and ugly. But for women, who, I mean, in general, like when you're talking about uh, the government, I mean, really, this last year saw women uh, running for office and um, actually just applying for government jobs at the state, uh, local, and federal level in mm-hmm. record numbers. Yeah. So that that's really encouraging to see because you're right. It's, it's an indicator that people do have not only – not only can we tolerate more than I think either of us expected, but people can still react in positive ways to yes. what they feel. Yes, and that's – is that's been a very not hard – not a surprise, but it's been very heartening to see. Yes. Um, that, that being said, people's time, effort, and stress tolerance is still finite, right? It, it's, it's higher than I thought. It's still finite. And so this you know, crisis, you know, it, with air quotes, crisis after crisis after crisis, I think, still has, has consequences, uh, negative consequences. All right. Well, not everything is in crisis, folks. Sometimes things are okay. So pick and choose your crises. What'd you learn? <laughs> I'm going to keep mine as brief as possible because um, I, <laughs> I feel I feel we went uh, pretty deep into that one. And also, mine are a bit more, I guess, personal uh, rather than uh, related to the world at large. But they do relate uh, to kind of world events in a way. So. Number one, I had a lot of people, you know, as people know, I work in China and uh, oftentimes I work with the Chinese themselves and I work with uh, expatriates who live out here and, you know, do work in different fields from myself. Uh, I have a bunch of friends who are in engineering, some teach, it's all over. I have had a lot of people come up to me recently and they ask me, a question that I get again and again is, you know, how did you learn Chinese? Like you, you speak so well and you're fluent and everything. And before it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, let's get something out of the way right up front. I am not fluent in this language. I yeah, the, it, yeah. someone who someone who can speak at an intermediate level in a language that a listener doesn't understand it is exactly. immediately sounds fluent. Yeah. Immediately sounds fluent. And, you know, to my credit, you know, I've had people that, um, people that do study the language that, you know, are like, wow, you really, you know, you've, you've got a pretty good handle on it. And, 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 I, and to your credit, I will say when traveling together in China, your Chinese was better than mine. Oh, well, oh. And, and you, you focused on it and you, you studied it in a, a, well, I then, guess fairly gets, structured way. That gets into what I and and, and, say. and that was years ago. So I right, will well, say you're probably beyond the intermediate level. Oh, well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. See, well, that just goes into the second thing I learned. But but, but first there thing, back to the first thing. 
When people ask me that, they often are trying to find out, like, what's the secret, okay? Uh, and this goes for anything. Uh, people are talking about this, like, with language. Mm-hmm. Um, people often have asked me about this just uh, for everything, for, like, the podcast that you and I do. The, people are like, you know, how do you find the time to do it? Like, you know, some of it sounds pretty good. I mean, like, what, what you know, just things like that. There are no secrets, to doing yep. something that requires skill, you just and, and, have, and, and if and if somebody says there is, they're probably trying to sell. They're selling else. something. They yeah. are trying to sell something. Just do it, yep. and not just do it, but you have to do it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. It is if there is one thing in this world that we can all just. We we all if there's one thing that we all need to come together and agree on, it's this. There are no shortcuts for anything. Um and a lot of these guys, you know, that's the other thing they ask me about is um, you know, my time at the gym. Because I take exercise very seriously. I try to stay in good shape. And everybody asks me, they're like, you know, so what's your secret for like, you know, diet and everything? And I tell them, Man, listen, eat vegetables when you can, as many as possible. <laughs> Um, you know, the fiber helps and also it helps you engage in more efficient protein synthesis, which will help you build more muscle. So eat veggies and I don't know, exercise like the big thing that people often have a problem with is just getting to do it, like actually making the time to go and do this thing. Well, it's also, I mean, sticking with the diet things, this is kind of a favorite of mine is the, the, I mean, the number of weight loss diet variations that are out there right now are absolutely hilarious. When you realize the simple math of a weight loss diet, which is eat fewer calories than you burn in the day. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the basic foundation. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and there, there are people to prove that point who have like literally lost weight eating McDonald's. Right. Right. And because of the lack of nutritional value that gets into other issues, but they lose weight. Yes. And people, you know, they go, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be hungry during my day and I don't want to exercise. So. (laughs) Right, exactly. And let me find a corner I can try to cut. And this gets into another thing like uh, hunger, I think, is an interesting concept because people and I've heard that as well. It's like, well, I'm hungry. I want to eat. You're not as hungry as you think you are yeah. uh, a lot of the time. For, for affluent people, we often say, oh, my God, like I'm starving. I'm hungry. I got to eat, you know, da, da, da. I will tell you just from being abroad and from, you know, trying some different dieting uh, experiments myself – Going back to the USA is a hard transition because, man, we eat in the USA. And not only do we eat, but we eat big. Uh, We eat big, we eat sugar, we eat fried. and To the point where it actually feels bad if you're not used to it. Yeah, exactly. To the point where if you're not used to it, you don't digest very well. Um, It's Mm – the habit is very difficult to get back into. Uh, it's not necessarily a habit you want to get back into. And another thing is um, one thing I found that prevents a lot of people, especially in the language learning department. But, well, actually, I take that back for language learning, for the gym, for all sorts of things, for any skill that you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. A big thing that stops people, um, including people like myself, because I <laughs> I genuinely do care what other th- people think about me, is people are afraid to get embarrassed. 
They're they're very afraid to like when you step into the gym for the first time and you see all these guys over there and they're you know they've been there you know they go like five days a week and they're big and you know they're wearing those like cut off t shirts and everything and you go in there and you're kind of oh god like I don't belong here and you feel kind of embarrassed because you don't really know what to do and everything you have to move past that you you can't yep. if you let that hinder you especially in the in the early days of learning a new skill. If you let that hinder you or stop you, you will not cultivate that skill. Yeah. Uh, so and, and that's an, another thing. And something I'll, I'll also throw out there because I I found, at least for myself, if I'm learning a new skill that gets difficult, I start coming up with reasons why I don't need the skill. Right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You start looking for excuses as to why you shouldn't pursue yeah, it. Yeah, this isn't worth it for me. But I think people should be aware of the – the benefits of learning a new skill just for the sake of learning a new skill, right? It, it could be something you're never going to use again, but actually learning something new, thinking about something in a new way. In the case of, you know, gym, you know, going to the gym or learning a new sport, doing different movement patterns, they actually make you smarter. And there's a lot of science about that, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it reinforces different patterns in the brain. Um, I've learned Brazilian jiu-jitsu that affected how I perceive things and how I interpret things and how I react to things. I learned how to ski. That honestly actually, uh, that actually had a lot to do uh, with how I deal with stress and how I deal with fear and how I deal with this crisis after crisis after crisis. Cause in skiing it's, Oh, I'm at the top of a mountain. There's a very steep, slippery thing. I'm going to go down it and have fun while I do it. Like there's a weird rewiring that goes on in your head. Am I going to ski again? I hope. Do I have to, to keep the benefits from just learning it? No. Actually, yeah, there are benefits that came out of that, and and, and and the same goes for learning language, right? And so I think if people view, you know, not not the end of I want to know that. Let's let's go with the Hallmark card description. It is the journey in learning something, almost more than the actual destination of the thing you're learning, right? Sure. And so by you know actually doing the hard work and and learning a language the right way or learning a skill the right way or going to the gym and doing it the right way and not just, you know, lifting heavy weights with really crappy form because you makes you feel like you're progressing faster, right? Yeah. There's a ton of value in doing things the right way. And that's, I, I found it beneficial to remind myself of that whenever I'm tempted to cut a corner. I, um, I I totally agree. It's sort of a, uh, a quality versus quantity mindset that you're uh, talking about with the gym. Yeah. I think actually yep. that, um, you know, and to relate to what we were just discussing about um, information gathering uh, from the news and all, perhaps we need to quality versus quantity, <laughs> quality versus quantity people. Um, yeah. You know, uh, speaking of skills of like doing something over and over again, one thing that we do over and over again, or we, when I say we, I mean it seems like a lot of people do, is we latch on the to... The royal we. The royal we, yes. Um, is people have a tendency to latch on to the latest story and the next story and then the next one that comes in, you know, that, that sort of fuels this anger and, you know, whatever yeah. you're angry about. But it may be more beneficial to take time and actually sit down and read a full article that not only presents the raw data, as we've talked about in the past, but an analysis of that data yeah. um, is much more beneficial uh, to your brain and to your development as a person. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and also I think people need to remember, and this is, man, so prevalent in the last year or two. I think a lot of people consume information going from episode to episode to episode to episode to episode. And all they're doing is getting – they're gathering anecdotal evidence and nothing but. True, exactly. And you can't construct a meaningful narrative out of that. No. I mean it's like there are logical proofs telling you don't do it. Like it's it's fairly well established. <laughs> the anecdotal evidence is bad I think, is bad and I think a, lot of, a lot of times people uh, can be afraid if they're not – in social gatherings, if they don't have the latest information about what happened to fill in the blank, this VIP versus this VIP, then mm-hmm. they, they're not up with the current social scene. And that's not necessarily true. Maybe it's better to have a single conversation, a single deep conversation about something that's relevant rather than switching from topic to topic to topic. Yes. And, and this is kind of more on the personal education side, but being in grad school and learning kind of how the policy analysis system works and getting some structured quantitative analysis training, understanding kind of what's a data point and what's a trend, right? Right. And and then, you know, I've, I've started, you know, then interpreting information and, you know, media narratives through that. It's very interesting to kind of see um, – or, or listen to people around me, how they interpret the news, and just the, the very, very weird breakdowns in logic that people go through. Just because they, you know, they, if, if there's a trend or a hypothesis or a theory, going back to Donald J. Trump, um, a, a, a cold day does not disprove global warming. It is anecdotal evidence that is, yes. But there are so many times people do that, right? Because yeah. I think when people go to one data point, instead of looking and establishing trends, they're cutting a corner, right? Yes, agreed. It, it, it's it's lazy, right? Yes. You look at one bit of information and go, yes, and it's yeah, co- I'm gonna laziness. Dra- I'm gonna draw a conclusion from that, and better yet, it's a conclusion I already held. Um, if I may, I'm gonna move on to the last thing that I learned, and then I'm done. And then and then we're gonna and then we're gonna pull out of here because I think we got a little deep there. Uh, the other thing was this is a, just a small one is make and nurture friendships uh, building uh, I think that you ever read the 48 laws of power by uh, by Robert no Green? but I've been told I should it's a good one it's, uh, it's I a may have been mac- told by you that I should I probably was me um, you know those those laws are kind of stuck in my head it's a bit of a Machiavellian book but you can definitely it can be applied just about everywhere one of the things um, – one of the laws of power is, uh, if I remember correctly, don't build walls. Um, isolation makes you weaker. And I've always been a very – I, Man, I, I, am, I am really trying not to take that to a political tangent. I'm just going to put but, no, 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 pin no, in no, it. Move on. Putting a pin in it. <laughs> Make and nurture your friendships. Um, this last year was – Again, I've mentioned it before, but there were quite a few challenges I ran into last year. Um, and being here in China, like, you know, people who are thinking about living abroad, um, at times it can be – you can feel lonely. Yeah. You know, especially if you're not in a big city with uh, a community of foreigners um, or you're – when I say foreigners, I mean people who come from the same country as you or at expats, least from the same yeah. hemisphere. Expats, you know, other expats. If you don't have that community to go to, you can feel isolated. 
But it's important to not let that feeling overcome you. You Mm -hmm. need to really find friends, nurture those friendships, whether they are there in the community that you're in or abroad as, you know, you and I have a pretty good friendship. And uh, my friends from back in my hometown, we still keep in regular touch because there will be times where you will need help. And those friendships, the ones that you've nurtured and the ones that you and the people that you've kept in touch with will come through for you. And um, I would say in the past few months, that has really been made very apparent to me. Um, And I, of course, the quality of your friends, uh, you know, is a big factor in that and necessarily kind of the quality versus quantity thing. If you have a lot of friends, it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, maybe it's better to have a five excellent friends than 15. Okay. Friends. But I've had a lot of people when uh, I went through my whole issue with my passport and, uh, the visa issues that I had here in China, Mm -hmm. it took me to several different regions um, got me engaged with uh, levels of government that I didn't want to get engaged with. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, the skill, like going back to what I said earlier about learning a skill, the skill of knowing Chinese and the fortunate circumstances I had to make sure that I made and nurtured good friendships here, I had people that came through for me that I never would have expected um, that really came through for me. And helped make my life a lot easier and prevented, you know, possible catastrophe from happening. So, first of all, I guess this is sort of a thank you to all those friends who have helped me over my uh, the, the struggles. But, um, yeah, keep people close. Keep trustworthy people close. And uh, yep. don't, don't make, make and nurture good friendships. That's, that's the last thing I learned. And there's no political lean to that. Uh, so that's just a wholesome message from me to the listener. I hope you enjoyed it. Because I, like I sure did. All right. Well, then, um, I think that pretty much does it for us here uh, with our 2017 What Did We Learn uh, episode. Uh, Mike, did you have anything else you wanted to add to this? I think I added plenty. All right. Well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got a, we got a little off script there, but that's okay. Um, we're going to be coming back uh, to you guys in the coming weeks with a couple of independent episodes, the 2017 Good, Bad, and Ugly, which will, again, be the two of us independently recording, but we hope to uh, engage with each other uh, over that conversation and then see where uh, the road takes us from there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, 2018. We've got quite a few topics on the docket um i have no idea where we're going to begin following our 2017 recap um you know star there are a bunch wars of ideas I'm, I'm star wars definitely needs to be included um I've, I've seen it twice now and experienced it radically different ways each time um having having kids around when you watch a star wars movie changes it in in a very positive way that was very interesting um, but also, uh, I know you wanted to watch and talk about Starship Troopers, which I'm oh my god, very much so very very you, excited about. <laughs> I, I, I that that may be a priority episode. Listen, we're going to go into the deep topics as well. Uh, Michael and I are probably going to be getting into an episode discussing vertical integration, um, which for those of you who are not too sure what that is, we'll talk about Apple. Um, 
But uh, and also, of course, both of us kind of wanted to tackle net neutrality. Uh, it is not too late for those of you who uh, do are aware of what net neutrality is and the whole fight for it. Um, but we'll be getting into all that. But boy, that's a big one, Starship Troopers. I think on the list of priorities, that maybe have to that may have to be number one because I, for those I of you who don't so. know, November was the 20th anniversary of that fine film. So. We might get to it by the 21st. We might. Who? Yeah, we might get to it by the 21st anniversary. It's coming up. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that, guys. Coming up quick. Coming up quick, baby. All right. So we look forward to continuing the discussion, and we look forward uh, to having you all tune in. So cheers to 2018, Mike. Cheers. All right, that's going to be it for us here at Thought Suey. I'm Greg Garagues. And this is Michael. And we'll be seeing you guys around. See you guys.